Hi and welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to Raw Chatter. I am your host and presenter, Vicky Midwood. This is season three of this podcast that will be talking about fitness, health, alcohol dependence, issues around food, body weight, body image, and all of the stuff related to how we feel about ourselves and in our own skin. I do hope you enjoy these episodes and I would love you to comment and connect with me on social media. If you get the opportunity to drop me a line, I'd also love to hear from you. It's Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y, at vickymidwood.com. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to a Raw Chatter. This is your host, Vicky Midwood, and I am not solo today. I have an amazing, inspiring, wonderful lady with me. Angelique Ingram is a health practitioner. She is a wonderfully marvelously trained coach who is just a star to work with, and she's an author. And she has got the most incredible story about how she actually got into the world of health and becoming a practitioner, because that wasn't what she always did. So I'm going to hand over to Angelique and let her tell you a little bit about her story, her background, what got her into health coaching, and why she decided to put it down in a book. So over to you, Angelique. Thank you, Vicky. Thanks for having me today. Um, I'm really excited to to share my a bit of my story with you and your listeners today. Um, as you mentioned, I am a holistic health practitioner. I'm a mindfulness coach and now author, and I'm based in San Diego, California. And my journey through uh, to becoming a holistic health practitioner and into mindfulness practice began for me when. Um, I was married uh, to my first husband and we had just gotten married. Um, there was a tragic event that occurred on his side of the family. And I believe that that triggered me to be, uh, start a whole new journey on my own through autoimmune disease. Um, and this is what I share in this book and with, the, with my audience and my community is how to overcome these kinds of challenges, how hard it is, how difficult it is to overcome trauma and really just dive into yourself and to the person that you want to be um, by, by paying more attention to yourself and to your body. And it's a, it's a powerful thing, mindfulness practice. And I'm just, again, really excited to be here and share a little bit more of the details with you today. So thank you again for having me. We'd love to, we'd love to kind of dive in a little bit more because what you said at the beginning there was that there was a family trauma incident tragedy that you believe kicked something off and and let's just dive into that a little bit more. So f for people who don't understand trauma, mm -hmm. um, this is something that perhaps we need to get some clarity on because there's a lot of practitioners and there's a lot of posts and stuff that talk about big T trauma and little T trauma. And it's just in my head, trauma is trauma. If it affects, if it affects you physiologically, physically, mentally, emotionally, 
and it has a profound effect and you can remember it, then it's trauma, isn't it? And and so for you, what was that particular thing you think that that kicked off your issues? Was what explain to us what happened? Right. Well, before that happened, let me just say as well that, you know, I was 30 years old up until that point, I was physically well. I was always getting checkups, uh, my physicals, no other underlying conditions. And then I got married and then a year after our, our wedding, his parents um, separated. Right. And my in-laws separated and you know, I, I don't want to go too much into uh, this tragedy, but let's just say there was a shooting and my mother-in-law was shot in the head. Um, yes. And so that, I believe, was the trigger and the catalyst to my physical condition that came about uh, a year and a half later. Wow. So that's interesting. So it didn't come on immediately it wasn't a, a kind of immediate thing and you could connect the two events together it, it took a little bit of time didn't it so how were you able to to kind of connect that with with what happened to you because to anybody listening it's kind of go well hang on if that happened a year and a half you know before she started with feeling really not well and all of the symptoms I kind of, how, how do you know it was that? So help help them and us to, to understand a little bit more about what that powerful connection actually is. Sure. You know, I wasn't aware of that connection either until I finally was connected with a rheumatologist um, when I, you know, my symptoms started to becoming more and more, um, you know, affecting me because by the time I, I was diagnosed with my condition, I was already in a wheelchair. And so... The rheumatologist, you know, trying to figure out what was going on with me in the beginning of my before my diagnosis, said, you know, what's been going on? What what has been transpiring in your in your life? You know, talk to me. And I told him, of course, you know, about what had happened with my in-laws. Yeah. And he said, you know, all of us, we all carry viruses. We all carry we cancer cells and such. And when trauma affects our lives, when stress affects our lives, it can trigger these viruses. It can trigger these cells to, you know, come, come about. And, and now here you are, you know, in front of me, a 32 year old woman who's never had any physical issues before um, with this tragic event tailing behind her. And yes, you know, that's, that's definitely um, what he's like. I what I feel is is causing what what has happened. What is happening to your body now? Wow, amazing! And one, are you? That's a long time for you to wait to get a, a proper diagnosis and, and to see somebody. When you did finally have that conversation, did you have a sense of of relief that actually? this was there was a kind of tangible reason and maybe you could move on and do something perhaps a little bit more that you'd not done before did it give you hope it did yeah and just just to go back on what you said just um you know in the beginning um you know four months was actually really quick right to get okay. diagnosed because there are so many people with myositis which what i was diagnosed with uh more specifically dermatomyositis um 
people wait years to get this kind of diagnosis because it can be very hard um, to do that. So I was very lucky that it only took me four months to get my diagnosis. And once I knew what it was, although I never heard of it before in my life, I didn't even know how to spell it. You know, I'm just thinking, what is this? Am I going to live? Am I going right. to be treated? You know, and this was That's the, the hardest thing. part. Just, just let me ask you there, because I, I hadn't heard of it until um, I read it in, in the chapter in the book. Um, and obviously, I'm guessing that 99% of, of our listeners won't have heard it either because it is a rare form isn't it, it and um, so for those people who are eager i will put the name of it in the notes so you can actually read it but do, do you want to just say it one more time and then explain to people just how that shows up in you absolutely um again it's called dermatomyositis and it is a rare autoimmune condition inflammatory disease that affects muscles, and in my case, the skin as well. So it gradually came about over this, you know, the last year and a half prior, to, you know, right after the, the trauma occurred. And um, my muscles started becoming weaker and weaker. I, my shortness of breath was getting stronger. I wasn't able to really um, do a lot, you know, and then it came to the point where I couldn't lift my arms. I couldn't roll over in bed by myself. I couldn't get out of bed by myself. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was a gradual thing, but it seemed to me at the time, like it hit me like a wall and, you know, it wasn't until one morning I went to get up and get dressed to go to work. I couldn't do it. And I had to call in that was my last day. And I went on disability at that point, but so just in that moment when because I've I myself have been in a similar situation where I thought I was paralyzed <laughs> I couldn't actually move and and that just explain for people listening what, what that feels like and the and the cascade of thoughts that uh, go through your head in in that moment when you realize that your body's not doing what you think you're telling it to do yes um the, the night before I had called in um you know, unable to get dressed. I was at work and um, I, I just knew something was wrong with my body. In the beginning, I thought, well, maybe I'm just out of shape because I hadn't been working out. I hadn't been going on my walks. I was a very avid power walker. And I'm like, why am I feeling short of breath? Why can't I walk more than two blocks without getting out of breath? And so my husband as well thought, well, maybe you're just out of shape. Maybe you just need to like work into it. And so I thought, okay, great. You know, I'll just start doing that. But the more and more I tried to, to move and exercise, the worse my symptoms started to become more apparent and panic started to come and hit me. And I knew my body. I knew at, at the, the, the night before, you know, I, I wasn't able to get dressed in the morning by myself that there was something more going on with my body. There was something more um, traumatic going on with my body. And while at work, I was trying to hand some paperwork to a parent over the counter because I worked at a pediatrics office at the time. Um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't reach her. And she looked at me and she said, are you all right? And I said, I, I don't think so. I can't reach you. So she came over the counter and, and met me um, to, to grab the paperwork and 
I tried to keep it together. I, I tried to keep it together, but I felt like, okay, this is this is very serious. And I tried to get myself through the rest of the night at work. And I was picking up some books and that the kids had left in the waiting room. And I was picking them up to put them back on the bookshelf. And I went to push myself back up and I couldn't do it. Oh my goodness. Well, so when, when you realized that you were almost kind of stuck, what was what was going through your head? Was there any discomfort? Was there any pain? Or was this, what, what can you can you kind of help us to understand what on earth that must have felt like? Oh gosh, it was horrible, Vicky. It's you know the panic. Right. My felt my heart just pounding. Like I I was afraid. I was so scared that there I was by myself. You know, um, not able to get myself up, yeah. and. Um, it, it all seemed like it happened so quickly, though. You know, I, I started to panic. My heart was palpitating. Um, I was trying to keep it together. Uh, a nurse was walking by, a friend of mine, and she saw me. And she came running over to help me up. Right. And she just sent me home. And so when I was walking through the parking lot to get to my car, that's when I felt the pain kind of settling in. And where did you feel the pain? What what was it? Where was it hitting you immediately? It all over. It was from oh, head really? to toe. And wow. when I got into my car, which I barely did, and I started to look back as I reversed my car, that's when the whole the pain just kind of radiated through my throughout my body. And to yeah. turn my neck was just so painful. And I just prayed to God that get please just get me home, get me safely home. And it's so just to hold on to the steering wheel was so painful and I started to cry. Oh, I was an emotional wreck because I didn't know what was happening to me. So actually that, because as, as, as you are aware, but our listeners might not be, one of the most powerful stress releases is to cry, is, yes. is, to, is to let it out. And this is where you sort of recognize that the body is, is flipping incredible. Wh whatever was going on, it kind of knew that it needed to help you to release something somehow. And so having these <laughs> like complete floods of tears, must have in a way kind of felt relieving but how how far did you have to drive how how long did you have to endure this until you got to your home it was about a 15 minute drive um and by the time i got home i parked the car and i, I had i literally had to lift my legs out of the car and my husband saw me through the window and came running out to help me and, and i just wanted to fall to the ground i just wanted to like wish this thing away, whatever was happening. And I was still kind of like in a denial as well, because I did think, okay, maybe I just need the rest, <laughs> you know? I think Even that's a normal human response though, isn't right. it? Because we don't want to go to it being really horrible. Because I think logically you could think, oh, maybe it's a virus or maybe I've got muscular sclerosis, but no, it can't be that because that comes on more slowly. Or, you know, and then your kind of brain comes up with a blank. And so we just kind of go, nah, I just need to rest. I just need to sleep. Yes, right. <laughs> I'm going to sleep this off tomorrow morning. I'll be good as new, right? And then that wasn't the case, obviously. I had to call in because I couldn't get myself dressed. Wow. And um, that was difficult. Um, and from that point on, the, the 
you know, my symptoms were getting worse and worse. And I ended up confined to the wheelchair by the time I was able to see the rheumatologist and get a diagnosis. So you're in America, which is slightly different to to, to the UK. So in that scenario, the first thing that, that we would do in the UK would maybe go to accident and emergency or, or try and get in to see our general practitioner. So what, what did you do? What was what was kind of like, oh, my God, you couldn't get dressed in the morning. You, ha- you had to call in sick. What did you do in terms of trying to get some kind of help straight away or, or didn't you? I did. Absolutely. Um, the next day when I wasn't able to get dressed, my husband uh, put me in the car and we went off to the urgent care center. Right. Um, they didn't quite know what was going on. They took lots of blood tests. They thought it was lupus because I did have the um, uh, the rash um, on my face. I started right. to come up with these rashes as well around, on my face and around my joints, my fingers and my toes and, and knees and such. Right. Um, and they couldn't quite figure it out. Uh, again, like you said, they thought it was MS as well, but yeah. that was ruled out as well as lupus. Um, and so, yeah, I went to the urgent care. Um, they re- they referred me to see my primary care doctor, which I did, and I had never met her because there was really no, you know, she was brand you new. Healthy. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and there I was a bit, um, and I think a lot of people with chronic illness, might uh, experience this with doctors as being shunned, being right. kind of like, okay, this is, there's nothing going on kind of in your head thing, or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, whatever. They just kind of shun you off. And I, I didn't, I think I a lot of women will be nodding away going, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's unbelievable because, you know, I hear I was in a wheelchair unable to like, look up at her to, to even just look at her and you know she was trying to rush us out of the office and handing my husband literature on you know um all the possibilities of what it could be it was just I, we couldn't believe it and my husband said no look at my wife she is unable to move yeah she can't do anything for herself you we're paying you to help us and you need to help us find the answers and so it, it took a few Can I battles. just backtrack from that for a second? Of course. So how how long was it before you got to see that primary care doctor? Because to be in a wheelchair and just to be able to get hold of a wheelchair and to recognize that you needed to be in a wheelchair, there must have been a bit of a time lapse. There was. Yeah, there was. There was a, a few weeks, actually, from the, the urgent care appointment to see the primary care, um, urgent care um we got a referral for a wheelchair um, to help me to help assist me. Um, and so of course I had insurance then. So that was, that was a good thing. Um, and, and all so, the while are your symptoms getting worse? Yes, they are. Wow. Yes. And then I started to suffer with dysphagia, which is the difficulty of swallowing. Oh so my goodness. This, this came after, you know, I, I started seeing my primary care doctor. It started to come up. Um, you know, maybe a a few weeks after I started to see her on a regular basis. Um, so then I had to give up food. I had to, um, drink my meals three times a day, uh, protein shakes, which was horrible, but you know, I needed to stay nourished of course. So, so on that, on that kind of note, did you kind of think, were you scared to, to, to actually take the shakes down? Cause if you can't swallow stuff, 
then we can almost get a fear of of um, ARFID. So, which comes on where where people are, are frightened or are traumatized because they're scared that it, they they're going to be sick or it's going to come up or they just not, they they can't actually swallow it and get it down. Was there any fear around that and and your muscles not getting the nutrients? I mean, what were your thought process when you realized you couldn't swallow and you're going to have to live on protein shakes? Yeah, you, you know, there wasn't looking back, there wasn't a whole lot of fear around that, around, you know, um, worried about not being able to swallow because I was able to take the shakes down. Okay. Cool. Um, I think that the fear was more about, am I going to live through this? Wow. Right. That's, that's, am I, am I, yeah. Am I going to, am I going to get through this or is this my life? Is this my life from now on? And before the diagnosis, of course, that's the hardest part is going through these feelings, not being able to move, not knowing what it is, you know, is this going to take my life? Is this going? And so, yeah, depression started to set in. Right. Yeah. And and for you, did you, I mean, were you trying to to get your body to move? Were you were you starting to try to see if you could get your, your mind to work over the muscles or were you just so kind of, confused defeated depressed unsure that you were just like I, I, I just I don't know what's going on I was more frustrated because I couldn't move I wanted to move I wanted to be able to you know move my body and try and help myself regain the strength that I'm that I was losing but I couldn't do it and so can I ask right really personal stuff now well it's not personal yeah, it's older, but I'm, I'm, my, my brain's going to things like if you need if you want to brush your hair or if you want to brush your teeth or you need to go to the bathroom you you couldn't do any of those no i couldn't my husband stayed home with me the first month um then of course you know the bills were still coming in so he had to get back to work and so we had to um hire home nurse because because of those reasons i could not do anything and i needed full time care of you know, doing all of these things. And how does that um, make you feel, Angelique, when you oh could do the, the most mundane of things that, that most of us we just take for granted? Completely defeated. I was just beside myself. I felt like a burden. I did not want to I I, I did not even want to like have my protein shakes. Wow. It was very um so that's kind of what I'm getting to it. Was there any point where you just kind of kind of thought what's the point people would be better off without me I would be better off without well, living like this is there any time that you went that deep or did you find not manage to go that low no I managed not to go down that road um thank goodness um but I I could definitely see why I would have you know because it was so difficult and so hard um but I had a great circle of friends that that helped me the doctors that I worked for at the time I was working as I mentioned earlier with the pediatrics office and I worked for seven doctors there and they would allow the nurses to take um you know um options to come over and help me at the house and that was so it was such a blessing you know it was such a blessing that I had people like that behind me because it was hard, you know, I, I didn't have the support of a lot of my family members. Um, you know, my parents did come, of course. And um, 
But and I, I guess for them, seeing you like that, they probably weren't quite sure what to say or or what to do. No, no because uh, this is all new to them too. You know, they've never had seen anything like this. And it was hard for them to understand yeah. because I looked okay on the outside. And I'm right. sure a lot of other people like your listeners who, who suffer with chronic illness, those invisible diseases that, oh, okay, you look okay. Yeah. What's wrong? Why aren't you, you know, able to do this or do that? And it's, it's very hard to wrap your head around, much less try and make other people understand what you're feeling because it's indescribable. Yeah. And I think you put that so well, you almost, you get a sense that people think that maybe you're just faking it or you, you want attention. Um, yeah. And that couldn't be further from the truth, especially the amount of, of pain that that this actually caused for you. So, so once you'd got your diagnosis and you kind of knew what the heck was was wrong, is is that when you decided that you know what I'm going to try and sort myself out and and look at my whole the whole holistic picture? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Vicky, I did like a 360 because I was actually on the PA uh, waiting list program, the PA physician assistant program waiting list um, here in California to one of the schools and because I love science and, right. and it wasn't until all of this happened that I started to see more and more of the bureaucracy behind these HMOs here in the States and the oh, healthcare. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I, even though I was going through what I was going through, I'm still observing what's going on around me because I was right. in and out of the hospitals all the time with the side effects of these treatments that they were giving me. Right. And um, so, so yeah. can I just put in there? So I'm guessing that the first port of call was medication and uh, no doubt it was medication after medication after medication. Well, they, they started me on the first protocol of treatment for, for these kinds of issues and which is methotrexate. It's a, it's a small form of chemotherapy. Yeah. Um, and then the prednisone, of course, the steroids, the crazy mm -hmm. steroids that many of us just love hate relationship with, but yeah. um yeah, and it took a long time for that to kick in. Right. Um, so in the meantime, again, I was in and out of the hospitals with the vomiting, the stomach cramps, all of the crazy um, side effects that come from these treatments. Um, but I stuck with that treatment and I started to respond to it. Um, and from that point on, um, I was able to get out of the wheelchair and start to work through physical therapy, rehabilitate myself. Amazing. And um, eventually I acquired full remission. So I what sort of time frame are we talking? Because to be able to put up with them symptoms just on its own is pretty darned exhausting yes. and then to go through right I need to try and push myself now and get moving and do the physio and I'm sure that there were some days where you didn't want to do it uh, uh, <laughs> right. no idea my husband had to drag me out of the house <laughs> right right so so I mean the whole kind of journey and the whole process how how long are we talking about from you finally finding out what the heck's wrong with you to you now feeling that you you are recovered it's just over two years, just over two years. Um, and, you know, it took me two years actually to get through physical therapy. So I should say probably three years. Um, so, yeah, a long journey. Um, I know so many are still battling their myositis and, and 
I'm just very blessed. I considered myself just, I'm just so grateful that I was able to do that. And I was just truly feel like I, I was given a second chance uh, at living um, a somewhat normal life again, you know, so I've, I've been in full remission for 20 years and up until recently. Um, so I'm just grateful for that as well. So, and this is something that I think is, is important because you, that was a catalyst, that whole um, incredible experience that is equally horrific, but also amazing because we recognize that the body with some help is designed to heal itself yeah. and it allowed you to, to learn to become a, a mindfulness coach and a holistic practitioner. So in that role now, how do you feel when you are sharing some of what's happened to you with your clients and and what would you like our readers to to take away from you our readers our listeners so i've got books <laughs> on the brain and um, i know you share your whole story in the book uh, especially the key the key points but what what is what is your overriding message to them when they come and see you um and maybe they've they've been down the road that you did and they've they've been to the general care practitioner and and been shunned and feel that there's no hope well, what would you like to say to people I want to let people know and, and feel safe that you know that they what they're feeling what they're going through is very real it's very real yet we have the power within us to get through these conditions, these issues, this the events, the experiences that we're having that we all, you know, um, go through in life. And knowing that you have that power in, in you to just create a little bit more peace and patience and compassion for yourself, things that I, I didn't have really going through my experience but I knew that they were there. I knew that because there's a whole other story behind all of this. You know, I was a person stuck in a lot of things like judgment and blame and guilt. I struggled with so many things. Right. And going through this experience 20 years ago and coming out of it, getting my license as a holistic health practitioner and immersing myself in a life of mindfulness, becoming more aware of how I think and what I am responsible for, what I have control of in my life. Now that I'm, I'm 20 years later, I'm relapsing. And I'm, I've been diagnosed with two more other autoimmune conditions since last September. I have more peace around it. I know that I can get through it. And I am heading again towards remission once again. And I'm just so grateful that I have the resources and the tools now through my mindfulness practice to get through this like, once again and thrive and be successful, be happy and have some balance in my life. And that's what I want for my clients. And when people come to see me, you know, we, we have those conversations and I know that you, you as well, you know, have that power and you've gone through your experiences and we all can keep thriving, you know, with the support of each other. And I think, you know, that is such a beautiful message because we can get through it. But the important things I think that your journey helped you to recognize and and it wasn't the same for me on my journey. I was very, very much on my own and I and I had to learn to trust 
people who I who I'd never met before. And but that was part of my journey. But for you, you you had people who were able to come and visit you and who were able to talk to you about stuff other than what you were going through. They were able to tell you about what was going on, you know, in your old job and what have you. And the importance of creating friendships and the importance of communicating and being able to talk about stuff is is so valuable recognizing who we are as people you know you said that you had some issues that you were really judgmental well hello right. <laughs> welcome to my world yeah uh, and and social media kind of encourages that to some yeah. extent because you know we when we're looking at people's bodies or people's achievements or you know what they're wearing or even how they decorate their clothes or the color of the car that they choose right we, it's that comparison right we, we, we judge and and sure. we don't stop and think well where am I even getting my opinions from and usually if they're from our beliefs and oftentimes they're not even ours because we heard our parents saying it or we heard a teacher saying it and we thought Absolutely. that it was a but when you have the opportunity and it sounds weird but when you have the opportunity of of such adversity and an illness that kind of forces you to kind of stop mm -hmm. and take a proper deep look at yourself once mm -hmm. and all. And that's can, easy. That is yeah. not easy to do. And it's not. But allowing yourself to actually to do that and taking away the judgment and just replacing it with curiosity. Yes. And, and allowing yourself to just kind of go, oh, okay, all right, so I found that out. But also I think you said something really important there that, I just want to pick up on is that particularly with autoimmune issues for people who don't necessarily understand what they are we never kind of are cured from them and i think particularly in the uk and i don't know if it's the same in the us we have this idea that that you go and you get a fix and you get a cure and that's it done right <laughs> and as you and i know the body doesn't work like that it doesn't work like <laughs> and we have to look at the underlying cause which is what you really do help people to do and, and mm. as a holistic practitioner we look at everything that our beliefs and our language and our habit patterns and our lifestyle and all of that kind of stuff and the thing with autoimmune issues as you said is they go into remission and yours was in remission for 20 years which is incredible but unfortunately and and then this is just for the listeners just kind of to know is that oftentimes when you have one autoimmune issue as time goes on you end up getting more right um and that's just kind of the way that our immune system works and the way that our body works but if you do have the tools or you can work with someone like angelique or myself who understands how you can help to manage those issues, then they can not really cause you any day-to-day -day issues at all. And you can just get on with your life. Absolutely. Um, and so this is what I kind of want people to know. And if anybody has gone through such a, a frightening experience or is going through one right now or knows somebody who is going through it and they're kind of like, what is wrong with me and, and the other person, you know, whether it's your friend or a family member going, how can I help them? How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, I have a website, which is mindfuljourneytofreedom.com. 
I'm also on LinkedIn, Angelique Ingram, and I'm also all over Instagram, always sharing um, experiences and reaching out, connecting with people. I'm always happy to connect with people and share experiences, share our stories, support each other. You know, there's no obligation. I absolutely just love to connect with others and create a community because, you know, that's so important when we're going through such you know, adversities is creating the circle of people who truly get it, who truly understand without bias, you know, that can be there to support us and help us um, find more peace and some more balance in our lives as we move through the challenges that we, we go through. Incredible. So there you go, people. That's how you get in touch with Angelique. And I will put all of those links and details, obviously, in the show notes. And if you're watching on YouTube, they'll be in the kind of description. And also, you can read for yourself Angelique's chapter in Women Thrive, Inspiring Stories of Women Who Have Overcome Adversity. And there is also a link for you to get a copy of that book, either a hard copy or a Kindle version. Um, and I would like to say thank you so much for being so open and so honest about how this affected you and and how at times it made you feel, yeah. but also for showing the people who are watching on YouTube just how well and how healthy and how vibrant you are now, even though you have got some issues, you still are just radiating that that energy of somebody who is comfortable and at peace with where they're at um, and that's available to everybody and thank you for sharing it absolutely vicky thank you for having me and opening up the space for me to share my story i so appreciate it and thank you to the listeners um, out there and i hope you all thrive well through this crazy life of ours <laughs> <laughs> that's a great message to end on and so that is it from me for another week don't forget folks the podcast comes out at 6 a.m every tuesday morning so tune in to the next one next week bye for now